0: You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. I uh, want to welcome one of the new radio stations that have picked us up. We are across Canada now, right over to Toronto, but we've uh, been picked up recently by Camloops uh, NL. Awesome. I'm, I'm very excited. I love Kamloops, so uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. Uh, we have an interesting program. We're going to be talking to a bunch of uh, Dyson James Dyson Award finalists and the winner here in Canada. Uh, this is a a competition for engineering students, university engineering students, to come up with the best invention. And if you know Dyson, he's the guy behind the vacuums and the hair dryers.
1: We do this every year and it's always fascinating to see what these people come up with, because it's awesome technology.
0: Yeah, we'll be uh, talking with some students, they've uh, invented uh, a new type of device to help prevent soil erosion. I mean, it's fascinating. Uh, And also uh, another uh, student uh, that uh, uh, has come up with a uh, kind of like a mechanical hand for people that have uh, not good mobility, that will allow that, you know, people like with ALS and and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. uh, that will help them use, uh, you know, smartphones and be able to draw and and things uh, like that. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, the show's kind of dedicated to that. And uh, I encourage you to, you know, stay tuned because it's just some fascinating inventions. Let's get to some of the news, uh, John, in the tech world. I think a lot of us are using digital assistants now. I know you're a big Amazon Alexa mm-hmm. person. Well, now Alexa will actually speak louder if there's a lot of ambient noise if it's loud in the room she'll up her voice volume
1: like when your mom's mad at you
0: (laughs) exactly and i gotta be honest i kind of appreciate that like in my house it's a gong show all the time you know i've got my kids coming by to get food and i've got two little dogs little chihuahuas that just bark at anything and so now when i'm trying to get you know my good voice assistant to do something she will speak a little louder
1: it's kind of a nice compliment to the whisper mode where you can whisper to her and she'll whisper back to you when you're trying to be quiet as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a nice, nice. Yeah. Touch. These things are just getting smarter and smarter, right? Eh? Yeah. Uh, you, you just use Alexa exclusively, don't you?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. 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 I mean, I use Siri in my car more so than at home.
0: It's funny. Cause I, I'm using all three at home, like Siri, Google and Alexa. And I just start getting confused at who I'm talking to.
1: Well, Yeah, because you'll you'll ask for one. You ask for a service that's on the other service. Yeah, Uh, I won't. I won't say the names because I know whenever we do that, we get.
0: I know everyone's mad at me right now for saying her name.
1: Nasty emails over
0: and over again. So I I apologize uh, (laughs) for that. But anyway, uh, if you are one of the owners of the Amazon Echo devices with their digital assistant, uh, she will be speaking a a little uh,
1: louder. Yeah, it's called adaptive volume.
0: Very very cool. Uh, what else we got here in the news, uh, John Phillips? I've got a bunch of Phillips Hue lights in my house, mm-hmm. and I love them. They come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. You got them outside on your patio too, which is really cool. I know. I I really love that. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about the Phillips Hue smart lights is uh, the ones I have, anyway. They have all the different colors. Yeah. And you can use the app to control them, or you can use your voice assistant as well. And obviously our Amazon friend will speak louder to you (laughs) when it's noisy and in this particular case uh, Phillips Hue has done a partnership with Spotify the music streaming service to have them integrated so when you're listening to your favorite songs in Spotify now it can sync with the lights it's like your own disco (laughs) the times we live in John
1: it is pretty magical have
0: you tried this before there there are apps that will kind of allow you to do this but this uh, works right Directly in, inside of Spotify. So typically, how these apps work, they kind of they listen with the you yeah. know the phone microphone, but this is actually going right to the sound waves inside of Spotify.
1: I wonder how your neighbors are going to like this when you start lighting. They're up not. Your backyard. They're not. <laughs> they're not. I'm going
0: to drive them crazy. And it's funny because we're we're actually going to be doing some more. Uh, videos on some of their new lights
1: they just announced a whole pile of new stuff
0: yeah and we'll we'll be covering some of that Uh, but we're going to be doing a a halloween special for our tv show that'll be fun yeah and now i can (laughs) sync it with the monster mesh
1: oh god how cool would that be do we have the rights for that
0: probably not right we'll find out when we post it on youtube and it gets taken (laughs) taken uh down Uh, Also in the tech news uh, this uh, week, we uh, uh, have looked at uh, EVs, electric vehicles, uh, many times on the program. Well, one of the manufacturers, Hyundai, uh, they have their new Genesis EV that apparently will be able to be charged
1: without a plug, kind of like your smartphone. This is probably going to be a game changer because right now when we have to charge our cars, we have to find a plug and plug in. The idea behind this is that you install a little pad on your parking spot, and basically like a Qi charger with your smartphone, you just park your car and it charges it. Really interesting fact is it'll charge it to full in about six hours versus a normal level two charger, which would take 10 hours. So it is a
0: level two charger? Basically, yeah. So is this something you could install in your home garage as well? Unclear
1: at this point. But I wonder if they'll all go this way. Wouldn't that be better? It would be way better. It depends on how discreet this is, because then every parking spot could be a charging spot. Yeah. Right. If it's you don't have to worry about this other infrastructure of these cords and and plugs and and different adapters even. Yeah. Right. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, and it also sounds like this technology might be adaptable for existing vehicles as well. Well, we'll
0: have to uh, keep on top of that. This is a big story for parents and gamers, and we've seen China kind of crack down on gaming and how much gaming kids can do well they've taken it to another level now i mean before they had kind of capped it down to one and a half hours per day back in 2019 now they're only allowing kids to play online multiplayer games for three hours a week john the kids will be going crazy
1: what are they going to be doing for the rest of the time
0: i don't know like enjoying life and (laughs) reading and talking to their friends and parents. About how the fact that they can't play the games? So from what I understand, this is going to be online gaming to start. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously they can enforce that because they can go directly to the online gaming companies and have them shut things down after someone's reached three hours.
1: Yeah, it's like a parental control, but from the gaming side of the th- the equation. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> They can offer gaming to kids on Friday evenings from 8 to 9 p.m. And then on weekends and public holidays at the same time. So basically, that's when it's going to be bonkers busy. So they can't even play during weekdays? No. Wow. Yeah.
0: China is going to rule the world. Yeah. No, seriously, think about it. If they can prevent the kids from spending all this time video gaming, they'll spend more time... Well, Theoretically studying.
1: Yeah. We talked about this off air, though. I mean, one of the things is I actually like playing solo non-online games, as do you. Yeah. So it sounds like they can still do that because that can't be controlled by the government. They'll find a way. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just... Can you imagine
0: if they tried to do that here? There would be riots in the streets. They would... The kids would burn their schools down.
1: They'd burn everything down. Yeah. Yeah. And And, you know... And
0: so, think about—is that a problem, though? Do You think they've become become too addictive these games? We've talked about this before.
1: I, I I'm not a parent, so I don't know from that aspect. I am. Then they spend too much time. Yeah,
0: yeah, they really do. Okay. Well, lucky they're not in China. <laughs>
1: That's all I have to say. Kids, <laughs> get off that online game, or I'm going to send you to China. China. <laughs>
0: Okay, we are going to have to take a break. And I I have to say we've got an awesome show. We're going to be talking to a bunch of students on this show. And it's all about the James Dyson uh, Engineering Awards. They have these every year. And these are finalists. And we have the winner on the program today. They've come up with some really cool inventions. And uh, these are the, the future great minds of our country, I think.
1: And they've all got great inventions that are already like sellable, patentable. I know.
0: Like I feel stupid. What have I done with my life? Anyway, stay tuned. We'll uh, be talking uh, to uh, one of the finalists uh, coming right up after the break. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler, broadcasting live across the country on the Chorus Radio Network. We've been talking about uh, the James Dyson Awards. We've had a a few uh, finalists, and we're going to have the the winner on uh, in a bit as well. We've got uh, a pair out of Waterloo, the University of Waterloo students, uh, Annika Van Heuven and... uh, Eli- Elias Troyette sorry, almost butchered your name <laughs> Name there. Uh, they have come up with a really cool product it's called AlgoBio and it's a non-toxic bio-based flame retardant that keeps people safe from the fast spread of fire without causing any long-term health impacts. Thanks for joining us guys Thanks for having us uh, Tell me about this, uh, this product uh, it's uh, a flame retardant is it something people wear, do you spray it on them how does it work? Um,
2: So, currently, we have two forms of it. We're working on the second one, but the first form is a coating, and we typically apply it on uh, uh, textiles, and so it's a two-step process. We initially dip our textile into um, the, uh, if you will, the master solution, and then we dip the dip textile into another batch which will form a gel upon contact of the first solution and by doing so we have a layer coating on the textile which um, provides uh, flame retardancy for um, any type of textile we've tried so far
0: so that would be a a piece of clothing for example uh, like a pullover or or what have you and does it stay on there permanently or is it it's got a, a shelf life to it
2: so, first, your first question. Uh, you, you, we were thinking of doing it, like for, for example, on firefighting equipment. Um, and in terms of shelf life, um, we're relatively We're still doing some testing. To be completely fair with you, um, we have done some testing, and it does seem to um, retain its shape and function for a good period of time. Um, but we still need to do more testing to um, have a, an accurate number for you.
0: And, and what inspired you guys to come up with this?
3: Uh, yeah, so this was our project in our last year of engineering, uh, and it was a group of four of us who worked on it. And we kind of came together and really wanted to do something uh, that was beneficial for the environment. Uh, so we started researching, and we wanted to do something um, that was made from renewable resources, and we found seaweed to be kind of an up-and-coming resource. Um, and it's also a very invasive species, so it's kind of – um, it's very abundant in our oceans and it's very easy to grow. So we really wanted to do something with that. Uh, and then we kind of tied it back into something we had learned in our course that uh, basically we were learning about the toxic impacts of most flame retardants used in industry now. Um, and so we, we did a little bit of research and found that the polymer we re- extract from the seaweed is actually intrinsically flame retardant. So we kind of designed that and designed a formulation combined with nanoparticles uh, to make this flame retardant and very easily uh, embedded into like clothing. Who,
0: who figures out that seaweed is, is fire retardant? Like <laughs> you're walking along yeah. the beach one day and you got some seaweed. I'm like, I bet I, I can burn this or not burn this. Like what, what inspiration comes there?
3: It was a lot of research to be honest, Um, like pulling stuff from various different papers. Uh, I think it basically started like people just kind of like looking at different natural polymers um, and algae, like the polymer from algae is commonly used in like medicine and uh, and food already. So maybe there people were like trying to expand its applications.
0: We're talking with uh, two students that uh, are finalists in the James Dyson Awards. They've come up with a, a product called Al- AlgoBio. Uh, we're talking with uh, Annika van Hoven and uh, Elias Troier. Uh So, how? So, you've kind of developed this product now. Like, what is the next step to actually make it commercially viable?
2: So, as of now,
0: like I mentioned, we have uh, the
2: um, coding um, um, form, if you will. Um, and this one, we were thinking of applying it for, like I said, firefighter PPEs or um, on other types of applications. But we're also currently um, working with another company who works in construction, who um, would see a benefit for their material if we could incorporate our um, uh, product and it's in another form, in a powder form, into their materials so that it boosts its um, flame retardancy properties as well. So I think for us, the next big step is. Um, collaborating with them and doing some testing uh, by mixing our product into their polymer and then extruding it and then doing some additional testing to see if the uh, desirable fire uh, properties are seen. And if that is the case, then it um, it could really open a lot of doors for us because it would mean that our product um, could... Um, replace a number of toxic flame retardants and it would also be um very easy to implement for a number of companies because we wouldn't have to change a lot of their production lines so that would be a great step if it's not as um um uh, functional in that form then we would have to do some more research and development in that sense but we could also focus on the other form that we currently have that is working
0: i'm always fascinated you know when people like uh, such as yourselves are coming up with these ideas like what's to stop someone else from going and just harvesting a bunch of seaweed and grinding it down <laughs> and putting it in in some materials is what other types of things have to go into making it all work i'm sure it's not that simple um
2: like annika said uh first of all you have
0: to realize that that material
2: is actually flame retardant. So that in, that involves a lot of research. Uh, second of all, there's the extraction process, there's the um, synthesis process. And then um, when you have the, the seaweed initially, it's um, not as flame retardant as our product is. So our product, like our um, work also consisted of uh, developing um, nanoparticles um, that are our proprietary technology that increases that those flame retardancy. So that was also um, a lot of research and a lot of testing. Um, so how do, I how do wouldn't say anyone could get there. I,
1: I was I was curious about um, the harvesting side of the equation. Do you just buy uh, seaweed from Amazon, or do you have to go and get a specific kind from a specific lake or ocean or that type of thing? Like, and is it Infinitely renewable, or is it something that you would have to grow specifically for this purpose?
3: Uh, right now, we we are har- it is harvested from a specific type of seaweed, um, but we are not taking like the seaweed in its raw form. That is something that we could eventually like, expand to do because it's it's kind of like another chemical process. But right now, um, since we're just kind of on like the lab bench scale, we've been ordering uh, the polymer in its raw form um, so it's already kind of gone through the process of being extracted from the seaweed and then um, we kind of have this powder and we convert it into our flame retardant and add all the other stuff.
0: <laughs> Silly question like how do you test this does uh, Elias uh, get a bunch of seaweed and, and put it on some pants and then you got a can, a can of gasoline in a, a lighter like, like like what kind of testing goes into these things?
3: Uh, it's pretty much that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we've done an uh, industry standard horizontal flame test. So um, basically like a certain size of fabric that you, you apply your flame retardant on. Um, and like it has to be the flame is a certain height and okay. a certain time of exposure. Uh, and then you basically like measure your burn rate afterwards.
0: I would not make a good scientist because I'd probably burn the lab down. Because I'd have the, I'd have the can of gasoline, and, and, and a lighter. Uh,
3: Elias has had to throw some water on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you haven't da- burnt down the, the lab uh, yet. We're talking with two university. So
4: so
0: good. <laughs> We're talking with two students from the University of Waterloo all about their invention Al- AlgoBio, uh, a great flame retardant that's not as toxic as the others out in the market. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having you. us. When we come back from the break. More tech to talk. Stay tuned you are back with the program Uh, it's a pretty good show today because we're going to be talking uh, to a bunch of the James Dyson award winners Uh, every year he's uh, got a contest uh, for engineering students and they come up with some really interesting innovations Uh, we've got one of the finalists or a couple of the finalists uh, on the line right now to kick the show off here Uh, we've got James uh, Zavros and Samir Khaki uh, from the University of Toronto thanks for joining us yeah thanks for having us your invention you. is called Zerosion. Uh, and I found this quite fascinating. Uh, you know Canada is a, you know a big agricultural country, so I think it's uh, an important invention and uh, it's all about soil erosion and helping prevent that. Uh, can you guys uh, give us uh, what it's all about uh, in in a nutshell for the listeners?
5: Yeah, sure. So Xerosion was basically a preventative erosion device that we developed using our expertise in material science and computer engineering. We wanted a way to combine AI with new technical innovations to help prevent erosion. So in a nutshell, pretty much Xerosion is a device that uses AI to identify locations most prone to erosion and then uses surface innovation to help prevent erosion in those regions
0: yeah you know i've had a chance to go through some of the uh, the finalists and and winners over the years you know we've chatted with them this was kind of interesting because there was really two important components to it there was kind of you know determining the areas that were prone to the soil erosion and it's an interesting story there which we'll get to Uh, but also you had to come up with a device that you stick in the ground which is essentially i guess almost like a little sprinkler head isn't it
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. We wanted something that was compact and easy for the users to install. Uh, and we wanted to be able to address erosion effectively. So that's why we use a two-factor approach.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the little, uh, what do you call the little sprinkler head device? Have you come mm-hmm. up with a the name?
4: Physical, the physical component. It's, uh, it's just one part of the whole system.
0: Okay. You're going to need some marketing guys. You've got to come up with like the, the erosion rocket or... <laughs> something i'm teasing um but so what makes this this sprinkler head different than like a regular sprinkler head
4: yep so basically it's a gel dispenser so we did a bunch of testing and we found that covering the soil is basically the best way to prevent erosion and what it does is it dispenses gel over top of the field to protect the surface so it protects the surface and also, it anchors the soil below with spring-loaded uh, rods that shoot out into the soil.
0: So the gel goes on the surface, and does it go underground mm-hmm. as well? Uh, it just might on the seep surface, a little bit. Yep. but It's meant to cover the surface.
4: And and what is this gel? Uh, it would be like a um, hydroponic, a um, aerogel, something that's uh, biodegradable. Um, and, and and how long is it? St- and,
0: and how long does it stay on the surface once it's sprayed out there?
4: It uh, depends on like the exact gel that we choose. It would be a couple of rainfalls. It would protect the soil for a couple of rainfalls, a couple of windstorms, that'd be the goal.
5: So with the yeah. idea, and, uh, oh, go ahead Samir. Oh, just to add on here, uh, the important innovation of using the gel is that we don't impede other plants from growing around it and the vegetation from growing. Instead, we anchor the surface while not impeding anything else from trying to grow in that soil. That, that was a major difference with our product.
1: So is the intent to have these uh, physical devices, sprinkler heads, uh, deployed around, say, a farm. uh, Why the sprinkler head versus just having like, you know, uh, like a truck with a hose and you just spray it and then move on to the next field type of thing?
4: Um, So, yeah, James. I I could see that being really viable. Um, The sprinkler head was was one way that we we chose to solve the problem and, like, allowed us to use our CAD skills, um, use our design skills.
1: So you're, so, you so, so you're basically using a, a custom sprinkler head for, I guess, the even distribution of this gel material, which obviously behaves quite differently than water would through a sprinkler.
4: Yeah, one advantage, I think, to using um, a pre-installed device is that you can attach it to sensors so that when it rains you automatically dispense the gel um it's once it's installed that's all you have to do you don't have to come back and uh coat your field with protective gel every time it rains every time there's wind because those things happen uh regularly
0: right i guess that's better than the truck because you got ed in the truck right (laughs) because then ed would have to know what to go out there yeah i mean it,
1: it sounds like you guys are open to both options depending on the
0: scenario too um so tell us about the ai aspect Uh, so there's one aspect we've just talked about of actually protecting the soil and making sure it doesn't i guess wash away or or get uh, swept away in the wind uh how how do you determine then what areas of farmland are susceptible to soil erosion i guess they all are but uh you've found ways to figure out which ones are more than others right
5: yeah, yeah, that's a really great question. So basically, we wanted a way to make this product more effective than conventional means. And the way that we found to do that was by effective placement across the regions of interest. So what we did is we trained a image uh, AI network in basically identifying eroded regions using public's open source data. So we used data from satellite imagery that was available to the public and trained a model that way, the model encompasses effects that have occurred over the past 30 or so years so that it's able to identify regions most prone to that erosion every time that uh, farmers plant and stuff like that. So by identifying those regions of erosion, we're able to effectively place the product and use less overall product to accomplish the same result.
0: And so what, what is the then overall benefit to the farmer and his farmland?
5: So basically, this combats soil degradation in a cost-effective and a unit-effective measure. Basically, they need less units, it costs them less, and it does the same thing, if not better, than current current measures
4: for preventing erosion. So soil degradation um, is nutrients being removed from the soil. So if your soil is constantly being degraded, you're going to produce less rich vegetation and less vegetation in general. So basically our product helps make, keep farming sustainable um, and keep those yields high.
0: So I I guess when, uh, you know, the yields start going down, I imagine they would probably turn to like more fertilizer and and things like that. So this would be a kind of a cost saving over time, wouldn't it?
4: Yeah, uh, fertilizer, like harmful fertilizer, harmful uh, chemicals and uh, deforestation um, are all ways to uh, like continue increasing yields. And those aren't sustainable practices.
0: So you've come up with this idea now, like what's the next step to make making this commercially viable?
5: Yeah, I think uh, one of the main things that we have to do on, in the AI side is to get a more sparse set of training data. Basically, we want to get more, more training data so that we can develop the AI better. So it's more effective and efficient at identifying the eroded regions. And on the other side, in terms of the physical component, we're looking at integrating sensors that would would be able to effectively deliver the hydrogel when it rains, instead of uh, having manual intervention. That makes the system more autonomous, and that way it's more responsive to the users.
0: We're talking with Samir and James uh, from the University of Toronto, all about their invention, Zerosion, uh, a fantastic uh, new type of device and system to help soil erosion on farmland. Thanks for joining us today, guys.
5: Thank you appreciate it. it
0: thank you when we come back from the break we'll be talking to more of the james dyson uh, award winners about some of their cool inventions stay tuned you are back with the program mike agarbo here with john beeler we're uh talking all about the james dyson awards uh, on our show today and uh we now have the winner in canada this year for uh 2021 her name is uh Liana Genovese and uh, she is in Hamilton Ontario thanks for joining us
6: yeah thank you so much for having
0: me so your invention was called guided hands trademark uh tell us uh how this uh, helps people with uh limited uh mobility with their their hands
6: so, Guided Hands is a mechanical assistive device that enables people experiencing limited hand mobility to write, paint, draw, and access technology through a touchscreen device or a computer. So, it's a mechanical device that enables controlled and guided hand movements as the individual holds onto an ergonomic 3D printed handpiece, which is tailored to the level of hand impairment. So, this handpiece then holds onto any utensil, whether it be a stylus, paintbrush pen you name it and instead of using the poor fine motor skills in the hand the individual is more so using their gross motor skills in their shoulder
0: so the shoulder is kind of doing more of the action and and how does this kind of get it down to the fine detail then now
6: yeah. So, because of the the sliding system of guided hands, so we use a system of linear ball bearings and shafts, and the sliding system does enable for um, really easy movements to have smooth motions and uh, all around the the base of this mechanical device to enable some fine details as well.
1: So, so would you describe this as kind of like a kind of like a wrist rest that has some. Uh, up and di- or I guess left and right and forward and backward motion s- capabilities. I- I'm just looking at a photo of it here right now, and-, and in the description it mentions that you were inspired by how 3D printers work with their gantry systems and and how the print head on a 3D printer works, which I know a lot about. So I thought it's kind of cool.
0: John always makes it back about him, but. <laughs> l- <laughs> Uh so yeah essentially uh they're they're resting their their wrist on this device and then using their shoulder. So there's no electronics in this, is there?
6: No, there's not.
0: How did you come up with this?
6: So so again the inspiration was the mechanical system of the 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 3D printer so I imagined a hand as the 3D printing nozzle. Uh, able to move horizontally, vertical, and up and down. And I originally made the first prototype of guided hands with pipe cleaner straws and a sponge. So the, the straws and the pipe cleaners, as um, you know, on either side with a so two vertical um, pipe cleaners and a straw, and then one going horizontally to create this uh, sliding system. And it involved using some C rails and some rollers. And then I Uh, iterated more uh, really using my engineering background and mechanical engineering as well to really create this this almost frictionless sliding system for the user to easily navigate around so it ultimately then evolved to linear ball bearings and shafts
0: has uh, what's the response been have you have you tested this out with people with limited mobility
6: Yeah, so as soon as I created the prototype as it was a school project, um, I then wanted to see if it worked with other individuals. So uh, again, I'm born and raised in in Hamilton, Ontario, and I made a list of every single nursing home, retirement home, hospital clinic, and rehab center. And I introduced guided hands to over 150 patients and health professionals. So people living with ALS, Huntington's disease, uh, spinal cord injury, strokes, dementia, you name it. And I saw the creativity and happiness as people wrote, colored, painted, played games on an iPad. So I was able to get a lot of great patient feedback to further make iterations as well as sell some early prototypes.
0: How do you go from, you said like straws and sponges, uh, you know, kind of like a MacGyver uh, to actually making like, you know, a half decent looking (laughs) uh, model of this?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So I ended up working a summer co-op as a research uh, assistant at McMaster Manufacturing Research Institute. And uh, it was basically a machine shop full of CNC machines, 3D printers, and uh, my supervisor knew about my product got hands so that I created in my first year. And I actually won uh, a national award for my prototype. Not the one with the pipe cleaners and straws, but uh, a little bit a better rendition of that one with home depot supplies and i won this national award and i told my supervisor during my interview with him and he allowed me to half of the day work on their industry projects and then the other half of the day i was able to use their resources to transform my prototype into a finalized device so i initially had everything made out of aluminum i was taught and trained how to use a cnc machine i kind of over engineered it at the beginning and then i went to 3d printing since it was much easier a little bit more pricey and time consuming but it gave the device some more ergonomics and uh, more commercial look to it as
0: well what's next for you you've uh, come up with a really cool uh, device here Uh, do you have other ideas that you're you're working on
6: yeah, so I already have a team of engineering students at McMaster University working on uh, Guided Hands 2.0, so we're looking to integrate stabilization into the hand pieces, so bringing the electronics in so that we can further reduce hand tremors in older adults and in other individuals, um, but I see Guided Hands as our first product of many to come uh, with my company, Imagible Solutions, and I see this one as the product that gets our foot into the door of the world of entrepreneurship and innovation, especially in the medical and accessibility world. And, uh, but I'm wrapping up my uh, final year at McMaster University uh, in engineering. So uh, I have to think of a capstone project for uh, engineering. So I already got the gears turning and trying to figure out uh, another idea and another project that I can bring to the market.
0: So when you win these awards for engineering, you get a team of nerds assigned to you, (laughs) engineering nerds?
6: No, I recruit them specifically. And I make sure that uh, they're very talented uh, individuals, but I make sure that these individuals are passionate about the same thing uh, as me. And I make sure to bring the students and these volunteers uh, into calls with me, into clinics with me so that they can firsthand see the impact that Guided Hands can have on someone's life. So these team of NERDS are very passionate and uh, hardworking. (laughs)
0: We're talking uh, with Liana Genovese. Uh, she is a 21-year-old McMaster University biomedical and mechanical engineering student who's developed uh, something called the Guided Hands, uh, a fantastic mobility device for people that have limited mobility with their their hands uh, and gives them, uh, I guess, a whole new outlook on life, being able to actually draw and use touchscreen you know, iPads and, and phones uh, as well. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what uh, the future holds for you. And thanks for joining us.
6: Thank you so much. Uh,
0: she was the award uh, winner uh, Canadian uh, winner for the James Dyson uh, awards and uh, I, I really love this uh, this award they do uh, because it really uh, comes up with some really interesting uh, inventions uh, from from students across uh, the country.
1: Yeah no it's it's really uh, inspiring to see what's coming out of these awards. Well we
0: come back from the break more tech to talk stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Uh, Mike Agarbo here with John Bieler. want to thank all the folks that helped put the program together. Of course, John, uh, my co-host and producer, and of course, uh, Christina. She's one of our other uh, main producers uh, as well. I encourage you to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got our podcasts up there for this show and our sister show, The App Show, that uh, airs across the country as well, Sundays and Saturday nights uh, in Toronto. And again, we've got all sorts of other great videos, uh, our YouTube videos and blogs at, again, getconnectedmedia.com. We'll see you again next time.